Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Festival Podcast with me, Rory. Today I am joined by Ben Peel. Now, um, hopefully you know who Ben Peel is, but if you don't, um, on Instagram he is under uh, at uh, Botanical Fanatical. Um, but he's also just launched a brand new London Dry Gin, one of the finest London Dry Gins I've had the pleasure of tasting in a very, very long time under the uh, John Roberts Botanic Request, uh, which we talk a lot about in this. But um, you may know him also from sort of his Sipsmith days. He's a renowned distiller. It's just this is honestly one of the funniest episodes I have ever done. It was a real, real pleasure to talk to Ben. So I can't wait for you to listen. Um, so... Let's just get stuck in. Here we go. Festival pod with Ben Peel. Let's go. Right, Ben, welcome to the Festival podcast, mate. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, it would be remiss of me not to mention that, um, of course, Tim in a previous episode, who I know is an avid listener and who will appreciate the shout out, um, was uh, was behind this one. Um, so, uh, so uh, this one's for you, Tim, mate. Um, so we're we're having a we're having a lovely little drink at the moment, Ben. So do you want to talk us through uh, the now drink before we get into any further discussions? Um, yeah. So my now drink, I put forward um, a classic dirty martini, but it's not classic as such as it's a it's a John Roberts hundred mil martini. Um, here at, at Casa John Roberts, we we hate to get up twice for a martini, so we make a double. Um, <laughs> but we designed the gin to be uh, seasoned with the brine rather than being super dirty, and we wanted no vermouth, no garnish. And so it's the gin with a little bit of seasoning, like a chef uses salt in a soup. It's to enhance the flavour, not to taste the salt. And, and that's what we're sipping on right now. It's, it's become a house favourite. And I'm not surprised. Now, I've got to be honest, it's not something that I've had before until tonight. And I'm already on the second. So it's be, um, I need to point out, but it's, it's really good. And I think, um, I mean, I, I love a martini, as you probably know, and I do like it dry. Um, and martinis come up a lot on the podcast, but actually just using that brine and just, it is, it, you just spot on, it is that seasoning. It just gives it that little bit of a, and a chilled right down. It's so drinkable. It's so, obviously you've got to have a decent gin with it, but, um, and we'll get yeah. onto what gin we're using in just a moment. But um, yeah, absolute, that's a, that's a new household staple for us. I think that one. So cheers. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, this this is a, a safe bet when you go to a new bar and you don't maybe don't know the bartender or or the the skill set or if they look after their vermouths because many times you'll pay 15 20 pounds for a martini and the, the vermouths oxidized or it's just over watered if you if you pull out the vermouth a little bit of salt a, the, 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 there's not much that can go wrong with it you know so you you kind of it's good for when you're Going to a new bar. Um, yeah, good shout. Love it, Ben. Love it, mate. So while we sip on this delicious, has it got a name, by the way? Is it, is it, is it, because obviously it's not technically a martini, I guess. Calling it the John Roberts 100 mil martini. The so John fun. Roberts 100 mil martini. So while we sip on the John Roberts 100 mil martini, talk to, talk to me and my listeners who you are, how you got started, and where you are now. Excellent. Well, I'm a Ben Peel, 
I am 36 years of age, <laughs> born in 1985. Um, so where I am now is I'm a, a co-founder of a spirits brand that I recently launched with my partner, Emily Nielsen. Uh, we, re, re, we launched a spirits brand during lockdown. We built a liquid lab and a small distillery. But how I got to this position is prior to that, I was the innovations manager, one of the distillers and the global minister of education for Sipsmith, which is a bit like a global BA role. But before the BA role, I was the dedicated NPD distiller working on all the SIP socks and designing and creating numerous liquids, which is like the, the Willy Wonka of, of, of the gin world kind of job. It's a really tough job to give up. Oh, I bet that's tough. Yeah, there's a fantastic man in the role of it now, Kieran Russell, who's at the helm of the innovations there. And prior to that, I was a bartender and bartending for many, many years. And I was getting to that age where I didn't want to be behind the stick shaking cocktails and cutting it with the young kids but I wanted to stay in the industry that I loved so I applied for this job that came up at Sipsmith didn't get it first time round. so here's a little uh, message to everybody if at first you do not succeed uh, try try again and the second time the job came round, I went for it again and I got invited in and I soon noticed that everybody had like a science background um, or a wine background so I was a little bit of a rogue hire, I was told later on. <laughs> but what it meant is within the lab there, they had a good balance of science, um, creativity, um, a palette from the wine guy, and it's great for bouncing ideas off. So before that, like I said, I was bartending. I did stand-up comedy for a few years. I was a musician. And like most comedians and musicians, you fall into bartending to survive. Wow, but I did not expect you to come out with that. Stand-ups, that's a hard one. That I I love the I, when I was growing up, I loved the idea of it, but I don't think I could cope with the that starting out just trying material and it can't you do you know what I mean? I couldn't do that. You're a you're a brave man. Ah, cheers, cheers. Yeah, it is a bit of self-punishment, but it's it's rewarding when you're up there. Um, when people yeah, laugh definitely it. definitely and I get that that I, I didn't know that about you but that's that I, that complete that makes complete sense it really comes across in everything that you you do I remember the days where I used to watch you on on like on the Sipsmith like on the you know on the Instagram live or something you'd be up at yeah. stupid o'clock in the morning doing you know starting the starting the run at like a, a, an obscene time in the morning I remember I got uh, like a 1am slot and then the 6am slot and it was martini <laughs> masterclasses or something like that. So in my world, I had to have martinis at one o'clock at night, have a little nap in a suit <laughs> and then <laughs> martinis at 6am in the morning for I think it was the US crowd or the Southeast Asia crowd. Um, yeah, so I, we, we had some good fun stints at Sipsmith doing these online masterclasses. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's good. That gives us a bit of a, I think we're in good hands for the rest of the episode because bartenders tend to make the good, get the best guests and uh, then add the, uh, add the stand up and add the distiller on then we're, well, I think we're in good hands, mate. So with that in mind, 
let's move on to your then drink. So let's go back in time. Let's get transported back to a point in your life where a particular drink stands out. So over to you. My nostalgia. Okay, so there's two points in my life. So it was very difficult to pick this one. There's one that is a very dirt bag in the gutter type of drink, which was back in my music days when we just when most people were out chasing girls in town and spending all their wages. We rented a mill space and was writing albums. We used to write albums, play music, and, and pour all this money into our instruments. That we only had a little bit money left to buy some corner shop cider. They've normally got lightning in the name, you know, white or storm in the name. It tastes like it's made in a factory in a blue drum, you know, tipping out and stuff. So, and it normally comes in units of five litres. Yeah, so, big tubs, yeah. <laughs> that would be my unclassy nostalgic drink. Um, my nostalgic drink with a little bit of finesse for the discerning drinker would be the penicillin. Uh, when I was out, I did this four years in Verbier, uh, ski seasons, working in a cocktail bar there. And I met a gentleman called James Colby. He served his time in London working in some cool bars. And he, he came out there and he introduced this drink to me when I was in my cocktail learning days, the penicillin. And it just blew my mind. It was, you know, peated whiskey. I think it's ginger or ginger syrup, lemon and honey. And I binged on penicillins to the point where I could have probably cured gangrene. <laughs> you know, I, I, I tried that many of them uh, that I overdosed on, but it always takes me back to that sort of first, second ski season, thinking you're a, a new man about town, you know, uh, sipping on the sophisticated penicillin. Well, that, well, that's never come up, as you can probably imagine, penicillin, but obviously it's not the penicillin. So break that down for me. So it was peated whiskey, yeah, ginger, lemon. Like, ginger, uh, lemon, honey, scotch, a blended scotch, and then it's topped with like five or ten mil of a peated whiskey. Um, so when it's all, all mixed together with the peatedness and the sweetness of the honey and the sour of the lemon with the, the burn of the ginger, you get this very medicinal flavor to it. And I, I, you either love it or hate it. It's like the Marmite of medicine is penicillin, right? Wow. And uh, I, I, um, I just really liked this drink, this smokiness. And that kind of got me into peated whiskies. It, it led, it was a bit of a gateway drink. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if I had a cold or some sort of illness, then I'm pretty sure that that would flush it out with with great success. That's actually yeah. so. Yeah, no, that's uh, I've never heard of that, but I, I'm I'm somehow going to have to try and do yeah. that. It's classed as a modern classic, you know. It's now a classic, but it's a it's yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new world cocktail, so to speak, if you talk in wine terms, you know. And I mean, not. We, we, you, you mentioned the, the dirt brag <laughs> corner shop <laughs> cider with, uh, with a five litre. I just want to, just to, obviously, I've got a lovely image of you at the minute in Verbier ski, you know, skiing behind the bar, everyone's having a good time. But um, I'm, I'm interested to know where you are drinking five litres of, of blue bottle um, natural disaster labelled cider. I'm in the underbelly of Bradford, uh, normally <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the red light district, it's called Thornton Road. We hired a mill down there and the antics that I could tell you from there, 
would possibly be illegal in 32 <laughs> states. We got up to no good. We built a studio. We had uh, a lady of the night who used to sometimes just sleep in the stairwell. No. Bumped some cigarettes off us at the time. <laughs> um, and to paint a picture, I had hair down to my chest. I, I, I was I had very long hair. I had big bell-bottom flares with a, a skinny, like, T-shirt that didn't fit me. Thought I was like a cross between Robert Plant and Mick Jagger. Walking from a five-litre of corner shop cider, a pack of cigarettes and a guitar. And, uh, you know, it was live fast, die young. And now that I'm 36... That's <laughs> I mean, great. <laughs> Polarising... Then drinks. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's great. Oh. a shop cider every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> what usually? <laughs> Sorry. Whew. So when I when I do this, I'll usually like recreate one of them and do a post on Instagram. But I don't. Oh, yeah, I, don't I don't think I'm. <laughs> I don't think I'm doing that one. <laughs> Oh dear, right. Anyway, so moving on. That was great. That was great, mate. Thank you. So your first drink, we've we've been put in good stead with your nostalgic drink. So let's let's go even further back. Let's go to your first your first alcoholic beverage, if you can remember it. Yeah, so I used to stay at my grandparents every Saturday night. It was a way for my parents to, you know, offload the kids a little bit and have a bit of time to themselves. So every Saturday night, I was at my grandparents, like clockwork, ages of like nine to 12. And my grandfather used to have a little whiskey cupboard and he'd have his uh, Glenfiddich at the back that he never opened. It was always for a special occasion, but nothing was special enough to ever open it. And a big, and a big bottle of Bells. And he'd, he'd have a whiskey and lemonade on a, on a Saturday night and I would have a lemonade and we would watch, I think it's like the Generation Game, the Brian Connolly show, all the primetime uh, TV Saturday night viewings. And it was when I was the age of 12, my grandmother went into the kitchen and he says, come over here, son. And he poured a bit of bells into my lemonade and he said, don't tell, my, don't tell your grandmother. And I remember I got this hot flush come up me in my face went all rosy red and I felt, I felt silly. I felt giddy. Yeah. And there was, I think Jim Davidson were on the big break snooker or summer, <laughs> or, you, know, that, you know, the classic 90s TV. And I was just laughing at everything. And I, I, I mean, I feel a bit embarrassed to say I once laughed at Jim Davidson, but I, uh, um, it was the, it was the whiskey and lemonade had, had lowered my inhibitions and, 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 until my grandmother was like, you're, you're acting a little silly, what's going on? And I remember my grandfather looking at me to say, you don't, you don't let this slip because he'll get in trouble. Um, I had to, and then I, I remember I went to bed, best night's sleep I ever had. Wow. Uh, and yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, what, what more to say? That's, that's a lovely, what a lovely little memory that is. And yeah. uh, I got I got taken back to the big break theme tune there. Just uh, we'll be snoo <laughs> snookering you tonight. That is uh, yeah that that that's great. So yeah, bells, whiskey, and and in and dropping or dropped in the old lemonade there. That's 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 lovely, mate. That's I love that. 
sometimes if I'm out and, and you know, you can have all these fine drinks whilst we're out, sometimes, maybe once every few years, I'll just order a, a Bells and Lemonade. And yeah, that's it, great. Now, it's too sickly sweet for me, yeah. lemonade. I'm probably probably more a, Sc- a Scotch and soda guy, but I just order it for the nostalgia sake. Yeah, that's nice. That's lovely. I really like that. That's really nice, and and uh, that's a good scene set there with the uh, with the uh, I say. I, I mean, I don't think Jim Davison has. He certainly hasn't ever come up on this podcast, and I'm sure he never will again. So. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, that's a great that's a that's and, and to be fair, like not many people can say that was their first drink. Um, and I can just imagine I can imagine the look that you got just not to uh, not to give the game away. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. That well, we've had uh, we've had a great then and first. So you've you set the uh, set the bar for which I think is. I well, I certainly think is one of the more difficult questions, which is the last drink. So this isn't necessarily your favourite drink, um, but this is the last thing you're ever going to drink on this planet. So it's it's people people approach it in really different ways. I've been accused of putting people to death, and literally, it's the last thing they're going to neck before I chop their head off. And people <laughs> think about the situation. It's it's a really it's quite a layered one. So I'm really intrigued after those drinks. And where you're going, Ben, on this one. Okay, well, my comedic side just wants to say bottomless Prosecco. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, if I'm on death row, it would be a bottomless Prosecco and I'll just keep going and going until I am no more. Uh, (laughs) Just to bide a few extra minutes on this earth before I hit the chair. Um, But then my serious side would be I you know what it's funny when we when I put these drinks together that when I look back I realize there's a lot of whiskey drinks on here and I don't consider myself a whiskey drinker um but there is I would go for a buttered old-fashioned I, I don't know if you've tried one of these there's a and I don't know if we're allowed to mention bar groups there's a there's a bar yeah group go for in, it Hawksmoor they yeah. did a buttered old-fashioned and they originally did it I think with the wild turkey 101 and that's for me is when that drink were in its prime. Um, the the bartender, uh, Roman, who's at Swift now, and another guy, Tom Harrison, a friend of mine from Verbier, they, they were both working out at the same time. And they introduced it to me, and it was one of those that when if we're going to town and it's payday, you know, we'll we'll treat ourselves to a, a buttered old fashioned, you know, and then I think that would be a nice smooth sipper to. S- slip away absolutely so yeah yeah, yeah. that uh, yeah so break it down mate break down the uh break it down in terms of do you know how it's made what's in it how yeah, how they do it so what they do is they, it, they they use a technique that i actually used that i i, I admired it's called fat washing and yeah. i ended up using a sipping society gin for sipping. i remember that i do remember that yeah so that you you melt clarified butter. It's got to be clarified to have no milk or water in it. It just needs to be fat. Otherwise, the whiskey will go cloudy. You you melt the butter, pour in the whiskey, seal it, and you put it in like a hot bath at around 40 degrees for maybe a, an hour or two. Because what you're doing, you're allowing the alcohol to bond to the fats. Um, then you stick it, you let it settle till you get the fat layer on top and the alcohol on the bottom. You put it in the fridge. 
till the, till, till the fats solidify, you take off the fat, filter the whiskey if needs be, and you've got this creamy, buttery whiskey. And I think at Hawksmoor they do like a five mil bar spoon of gum just to take it on the sweet side a little mm. bit. Uh, over ice, two or three little stirs like you do with a, a Negroni, served right up, and it's smooth, creamy, oaky, vanilla goodness. Oh, I'm thinking about it. That sounds so good. That sounds delicious. That does sound incredible, yeah. I have to say. I have to say. Um, I think I've seen it on... I think I've seen it on menus before, and it's just... I think with an old-fashioned... I kind of just have this, I've had a, it's just that it's, I don't want to be a pain in the ass for the bartender. And I think that's why I tend to, well, I've had a couple of absolute belters, but I know it's an utter ball ache. So I kind of like, oh, you see, in my head, I'm like, I'm always thinking of the bar staff. I'm always thinking, I don't want to be an inconvenience. Yeah. It's the same as, you know, like, I love a Ramos gin fizz, but yeah. to order one, well, that guy that's just kicked the bartender in the gut, unless they've got it on the menu, then they've they've kind of set themselves up for it, yeah. or they may have acts to do it. But when you go off piste and order something like that, you've got to make sure it's an empty bar and, and they're willing. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm the same. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll panic. Oh, I'll just get a beer and a shot, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just any, whatever's easiest for you, honestly. The amount of times I say that, whatever's easiest, just do what, you know, just do what's yeah. easiest. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, that's fine. a great, uh, oh, that's a great last one, mate. That's yours. So before we go on to your final drink of the round of drinks, um, yeah. I think it would be a good opportunity to, to talk about your, um, you mentioned it very briefly at the beginning, um, and thankfully, I've got a bottle right next to me, um, which I bought a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is your London Dry Gin. Um, yeah. So before you talk about it, I want to say my bit on it um, in that it's, you know, in 2021, you know, I've been in this uh, in the in the within the gin industry for a fair few years now. Um, and depending you know throughout the years you get trends and you get um you know things that stand out so you you would know we'll go through a time where there's some really decent old toms or some really decent navy strengths or even some of the flavored stuff can be not too bad but the thing we come back to time and time again is the london dry gin and the classics and the traditionals so when you're gin arrived on the doorstep which was exceptional service by the way I think it was less than 24 hours from when I purchased it to being delivered which was outstanding um I was really excited I think you you built the brand up you built the, the build up to the brand and the the uh the way that you kind of give us little tidbits here and there of what it was going to look like was really exciting and when it dropped and when I sipped it I was like this actually not what I was expecting but it's it's a really solid, traditional, outstanding London dry gin, which you don't at the minute in 2021, I'm not getting a lot of or not seeing a lot of. Um, so it's a real delight. So 
I want to pass over to you, Ben, and talk us through um, that your your latest your latest baby, I guess. Well, thank you, and, and very kind words. It's a it's a very traditional London dry gin, but made in a very modern, unique way, um, using ultrasonic sound and vacuum pressured maceration. So, I find that innovation. Um, works at its best when you pose yourself a problem or a question to fix. And what we briefed ourselves or briefed myself on designing this liquid is, should a, let's say some delicate botanicals like a rose petal, a tea leaf, a fresh flower or herb, do they deserve the same stewing, boiling and steaming as that of a hardy, woody, dried seed or root? And the answer we soon come up with was, was, was no. So. We, we realized that a big overlooked process in gin making is the maceration process. That's where the flavor bonding, flavor extraction happens. People seem to think it's in the distillation. All you're doing is extracting the alcohol there and you're extracting some flavor through heat. But in the distilling world, that it seems to be that vapor infusing is the way to approach delicate botanicals. But I don't know if you've ever put your hand over a kettle vapor is just as hot as the liquid that's in it yes right so we we looked at the vacuum pressured um, maceration for the hardy ones to like implode the botanicals leave no stone unturned in extracting flavor and then the delicates we looked at ultrasonic sound which is almost like a gentle abrasive of the surface oils of the botanicals to prevent any of the pulp or flesh being attacked by the alcohol and we filter that out so none of the botanicals even go in the still. We, 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 we extract with alcohol and ultrasonic sound and put the liquid in the still and we distill. And we came up with this very unique London dry that, that, that what we seem to think is, is lacking any astringencies from stuff being boiled in the still, but gives a nice balance, a nice roundness and a nice showcase of flavor. We feel like if it was a musical analogy that we've pulled out bad frequencies, allowing a clearer mix and, and that's what we wanted to, to achieve with this. And you said launching with a London dry gin, you know, some people might think it's boring. We get asked a lot. So can we see your range? What flavors have you got? Because that's the way the market is in at the moment. And to Oof, launch yeah. into a market like that, we would be not taken serious by the industry if we came out with mango and passion fruit gin as our flagship first product. And we wanted to let people know that we're serious about what we're doing it's a serious spirit it can be shaken stirred thrown it's 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 a it's a tool of trade like like you say and then you know and then we'll see where we go for, from from there kind of whilst utilizing these innovative techniques so yeah that's where we're at and the, the botanicals we built upon very quickly the science of flavor and aroma pairing so i, I used an analogy that it's not just a matter of picking botanicals and throwing them in a still. We're looking for commonalities with flavor compounds. And it's almost like seating guests at a wedding. Yeah. Who do you put on what table that don't normally hang out together, but they've got something in common. Yeah. To create something interesting, a bit of interaction. So we approach that wedding analogy when picking botanicals and putting them in, the, in uh, into the mix of what as like second and third relations with flavor compounds. So we've built everything that's in there is by, by design kind of thing. Uh, and I'm glad you like it. Uh, people seem to be giving us the thumbs up when tasting it, which is 
you know, it makes me very proud to know people are enjoying it. No, definitely. And I, I, we, you know, we were talking before we come on and I think what you've, um, what you've done is initially again, you know, you know, I thought oh, that's quite a, he's, he's played it safe. He's made a really good solid London dry gin. And then I rethought and I was like, actually, that's a big risk. It's a big yeah. risk at the moment because, um, you know, you've got to, and, 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 and obviously I'll, I'll put a, a, a picture out on, on social media so people can see it, but it's a, it's a standout bottle. It's a standout label. It's standout branding. So it's like, okay, that, that's going to grab your attention. Um, yeah. And I, what I really love it, with your approach is that you, as, as you've just said, is you have the industry in mind so that anyone with a half decent palate is going to know that that's an exceptional London dry gin. Um, and then, so you've been bought in by the branding, you taste the liquid, it's really good. Then when you actually hear the story and hear you talk about it and hear about how it's made, that's the bit that just pushes it up and above and over the, and over the fence there. Um, because I'd, I'd never heard of that technique before. And, and actually, you know, reflecting on how I make my drinks in that, I will just macerate the things that I know will macerate well in alcohol. Um, yeah. And I won't macerate the stuff that I know won't. And I'll put it in, like I say, a vapor chamber or I'll put it in yeah. after, you know, put it in just before I fire the still up. Um, you know, it's given me real thought and how I approach those botanicals pre-distillation other than just chucking them in neutral grain yeah. spirit. So it's a, it's a really interesting and, um, and, and I'm excited to see what you're going to do with that moving forward. Nice. Thank you, Rory. I'm glad you picked up on the design as well, because we, like I said, innovation comes when you brief yourself with a problem or something like that. And what we did is we looked at the industry and we wrote a, a very meticulous brief to help the design stand out. We wanted to be forward thinking, modern, colourful, shelf hot. It had to embrace my personality as well. If I'm going to be the representative of this brand, it's got to be a brand that I can be comfortable in being myself with. And, and that's a lot of the messaging with the, with the brand as well is, you know, exceptional spirits for exceptional people, but everybody has an element of exceptional in, a, in them. They've just got to find it and harness it. And it's what makes you, you, and it's what makes me, me, you know, that's why we're all individual and, and unique. Um, yeah, so and, and we've got the big London dry on the front. We didn't want to use catch marketing buzzwords like premium, handcraft, small batch, because it, it just seems to have no value to, well, to me. And, it, you know, it's getting saturated. And there's a the saying I mentioned earlier that identity is lost when things become identical. And, and that's something that resonated with the design as well. So it's nice you pick up on that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And, and you, you pick up on an excellent point in that um, certainly over, the, I'd say, two to three years, those terms um, for me with my consumer hat on, small batch and craft yeah. and, and those kind of things, there's been a discussion of point within the industry for a, for a fair few years now that they've, that what does, what does that really mean now? Like there's gins out there with small batch on that have an, like a monumental level of, 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 a, of one distillation run and how many bottles they can do. Is that really small batch? And 
you know, and, and craft, what does craft mean? And that's been, that's come up time and time again. And what I love about your label, and again, I will, for the listener, I will post a picture of it so you can see, is that those three words, London Dry Gin, are the largest letter font you know the largest words on the on the whole label so they're bigger than the logo it's london dry gin it's not it's not you know hiding it's not doing anything else but it's giving you a classic traditional london dry gin in a really really fantastic way so well done mate really really good thanks, thanks Rory. i appreciate that uh, i did a post about that recently about the the buzzwords and I was very nervous posting it but then I thought you know if it's what I think I should post it and it seemed to got a lot of people saying a similar thing you know that I did I did a post around the I googled an alarm company for the for the for the distillery and the first full page of google was all of them was UK's number one premium leading alarm company and it's not until they see themselves all on that first page that it looks ridiculous because they can't all be number one, you know. So true. Is how it's becoming in other industries, so to speak. Um, and, uh, you know, and you take one of those terms like um, premium, for example, and what does that really mean? Is that um, price and how much it costs? Is it um, quality? Um, yeah. You know, what does it really mean? Um, because there's so many premium gins out there for actually quite a reasonable amount of money. Um, right. So there's you, only you that could stand toe to toe and truly say what they mean by premium, but some just stamp it on because. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, it, and I think it, like, yeah, with any of those terms with premium craft, small batch, there are people out there that demonstrate that incredibly well and can put it on their bottle and go actually this is what we are about and it and it makes sense but unfortunately there is a huge amount of people that don't um but uh, but anyway we, we we can talk about i can talk about that all day long um but i'm i want to move on i want to get onto your never drink mate because as someone from a um bartending um background this i know this is going to be a difficult one for you so this is this is the never drink this is something that we're going to eradicate from the face of the planet um I, so yeah you go for it mate talk to me much thinking i had various i've got i went through i wrote it down deleted it wrote it down deleted it wrote it down deleted it then put the original one back on it's a tough one it and is. for me my my room 101 drink to get rid of is the jaeger bomb i <laughs> am literally it has no, you know, like there's some insects on the planet of Earth that, that we just don't know what their point is or of their existence. Uh, the Jaeger bomb for me, I just watch groups of people order them uh, and they'll do a big cheer before they throw it down. You know, like, like they're all just come off a fisherman's boat or something. And it's, it seems like a good idea at the time. But at the end of the shift, when I'm cleaning out the urinal where somebody's vomited into it, or, <laughs> or you was in the group drinking them, and it's always the drink that somebody forces upon you. Nobody yeah. voluntarily goes and gets one. It's always a, a pushed drink. And, it, it, you know, if you want to wake up a little bit, have an espresso martini or a coffee. Oh. Or if you want, if you want a, what is it, a digestive... Uh, have a have a shot of Jägermeister, but just don't be. I, I just think energy drinks as well are 
no good for people, no good for the planet, and no good being in a Jager bomb, you know? So for me, that one's going in the room 101. I'd, I'd yeah, that. you can have that. You can 100% have that. That is just horrific. It's that, I, I don't know whether it was, I mean, certainly when I was younger, it was more of a probably a sort of, um, what's that, like a theatrical thing yeah. to, you know, to to plunk it into, yeah. So it was kind of a, uh, that kind of ritualistic kind of drinking. So, you know, I've had my fair share of Jaeger bombs and I have to say I've, never, in, I've never enjoyed any of them, never. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know if anyone from Jägermeister is listening, but to be honest, I, I really don't like that either. But but in, a, in an energy drink, and funnily enough, energy drink came up last week. Awful stuff. Awful, yeah. awful stuff. No alcohol, no matter how bad or good, you know, no matter what I think of Jägermeister or anything like that, no matter what, it should not be mixed with an energy drink. And you know, you know, mate. If you go to some parts of Asia, they sell it as the syrup cordial uh, that you would mix with soda yourself. And oh. this is—I didn't realize this once. I went on a like an elephant safari thing in this truck, and I got this shot of uh, a named energy drink. And I thought it's only a little shot, and I drank it. And it came out like syrup, but it oh. turned out I'd like you know five shots of five equivalent of five cans worth of summer. And I was just literally whizzing around this safari park you know that is awful <laughs> yeah so it I, it's got no place for me uh but i've had my fair share of jaeger bombs but they were all pushed upon me um oh. it, you know but i and yeah that's it that's my 101 yeah you can have that mate i don't think you can have many arguments <laughs> for that that is yeah I've, i'm starting to feel a bit oh like that just the, the the thought of it—it's been many, it's been it's been years since I've had one. I can safely say I'm never, I'm not going there ever again. And as a bartender, I tell you what I don't miss is the sticky fingers of oh. you know when you when they order like twelve of them, you got the you got to just grab them and get them on a train, and you get back to the bar and you got this sticky brown. You got to wash your hands and ugh, do not miss it at all, mate. Dreadful, dreadful. Well, what a round of drinks. So let's. Recap. So yeah. then, your round of drinks. Now drink. Um, what do we call that in the end? The John Roberts hundred mil martini was it in the end we called it, which of course was um, gin and um, the brine seasoning, as you put it. Um, but at hundred mil, so um, a big boozy drink to start us off, which is great. Your then drink was the penicillin cocktail. Yeah. Um, and we're obviously uh, at Verbier while drinking that and skiing with all that lovely stuff. Uh, your first drink um, was Bell's Whiskey and Lemonade, which is a That's it. great first drink. Your last drink, uh, Buttered Old Fashioned, and then your never yeah. drink. So we are eliminating the Jaeger bomb from existence, yeah. which I think many people will be delighted to hear that. Um, but that is a that is. That is a monumental round of drinks, my friend. Are you pleased with that one? Yeah, it took some doing. You, you should have seen the ones that came on, went off, came on, went off. And I'm like, we've just got to do this podcast. It's, it's getting the best <laughs> of it. 
<laughs> I'd wake up at like three in the morning. I'm like, does the Cosmo go on? Does the Cosmo not go off? You know, ah, and then I'm like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I now I feel like I, I'll, I'll sleep well tonight, mate. Thank you Good. very much for pleased to hear it you nailed it ben thank you so much for coming on wish you all the best um with the john roberts um uh, it's a great london draw and i'm really excited to see what you got in store for us moving forward um but uh thank you so much for coming on really appreciate your time um brilliant brilliant round of drinks mate you've really made me laugh so it's been a real pleasure tonight so thank you very much thank you robbie mate There we go. Thank you so much, Ben, for one of the funniest round of drinks I think we've done so far. It real, real pleasure. Uh, make sure you follow Ben on um, Botanical Fanatical or on the uh, John Roberts Botanic Request over on Instagram. That would be grand. And if you get the opportunity, please have a taste of that gin. It's one of the finest London dry gins that I've had the pleasure of tasting for such a long time. And it was such a pleasure to be able to uh to buy a bottle of that and um and support him and yeah you won't be disappointed if you're a, if you're a gin drinker um of course uh the usual stuff with me make sure you follow me on at first of all pod on twitter and instagram and of course like subscribe and if you're on the old apple podcast please rate me uh five stars would be lovely that would be great um but until next time raising a glass to you all cheers <laughs>